We're going to read one verse of scripture, Galatians chapter 5. I want to say it's great to have our guest with us today. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Great to have all of you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Read it one more time. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I want to take a few moments here and speak. Uh, today I'm putting two sermons all together in one, so you get your money's worth for Sunday. So you really would normally get two sermons. I'm not going to preach that long, hopefully. But I want to title this message this morning, Maintaining Freedom maintaining freedom. We've already been praying. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to focus on the word in that verse, free, free. Now, I know many of you that strikes a chord immediately because we love things that are free. Can I hear an amen? That was your point where you could say amen right there. Amen. We love things that are free. I was driving this morning down the road here on Farmington Road, and I noticed that there's a whole bunch of stuff sitting in the front yard, a house down here, and it has a big sign that says, free, just help yourself. So we love free, amen? But today I want to put this in the context of where Paul is writing about today. Paul makes reference to freedom 28 times in the Pauline epistles. And 10 of those are actually in this very epistle to the Galatians here. 10 times he refers to freedom in this one alone. If you do a little research, and I don't have time to do that today, but you'll find out why it was so important for him to stress that to this group of people. I believe Apostle Paul believed in freedom. See, from a physical point of view, Paul lived under Roman rule, folks. He was very familiar with the lack of liberties because of another power that was in control in the government in that day. I know he was a Roman citizen, but also, folks, he understood that the laws restricted him to an extent. There was a host of Roman laws that Paul was subject to in that day, folks. So I believe he had a very clear understanding about certain civil liberties, but our scripture text is in reference to spiritual liberties. But they, are, they mirror each other. They run parallel in a lots of things. So the verse says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Christ didn't give us civil law, freedom from civil law, folks. We are still obligated to obey the laws of the land as long as they don't contradict the word of God. See, Christ freed us from the law of sin and death. That's what Christ freed us from. The cross wasn't intended to create a group of lawless rebels. <laughs> but to the contrary, those that have been set free by Christ and the cross of Calvary should be the most law-abiding citizens in the world. Can I hear an amen? Because we are representing Jesus Christ here on earth, not ourselves. We're representing a greater kingdom. So we are free to do what we ought, not what we want. 
The second two words I want to draw your attention to is stand fast, which means to be stationary, to persevere. These two words are an important part of the message that Paul is trying to convey to us in this verse of Scripture. As I have just stated, there's freedom in God. There are liberties in God. But those liberties only exist as long as you stay free from sin. If not, you become entangled. And that word entangled means to be ensnared or to be holden in. Steadfast, therefore, stand fast, therefore, liberty. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This message today relates to us because of something special this week here in this United States of America. Thank God for this great nation that we live in. This week is a special time in the history of this great nation. Uh, I know we're in the middle of fireworks season and some of you go, ouch, there. The reason for fireworks is the celebration of the 4th of July. Independence Day. So let me read you a paragraph about this special historical event this week. On July the 3rd, John Adams, a member of the Committee of Five, that was charged with drafting the Declaration and assigner the Declaration of Independence, had written to his wife, Abigail, to his wife, Abigail, the second day of July 70, I quote, the second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. Now, I know we have all this thing, a church, separation of church and state, but hear what he says. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be celebrated with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, Bells, bonfires, illuminations. I think he covers about everything there. From one of this con one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. I believe John Adams seems to grasp the paramount importance of that moment in history, folks. The day of independence. I want to remind us once again what the 4th of July really represents. The 4th of July, folks, is when the 13 colonies declared their freedom and independence and be, uh, from England. Now let me read you what the founders of the United States were trying to get free from. It was freedom from the tyranny of government. It was about freedom to worship or not worship as desired. It was about being free from excessive taxation. <laughs> it was about being able to say what you think without fear of someone throwing you in jail. <laughs> huh, interesting. I hope the 4th of July means more to us than just a paid day off of work or a barbecue or, or, or some fireworks that we're going to sell in a time of celebration. I hope you remember why you have the day off. It's truly a day of independence, folks. It's because of freedom. Freedom, folks. 
Freedom is the reason why you're going to have a day off of work on Wednesday. So what brought about freedom? The Revolutionary War is what brought about freedom. The Revolutionary War was a hard-fought war and many lives were lost in order to ensure the freedoms we have in this country. So let me read you something else. How many were killed or wounded? Throughout the course of the war, an estimated 6,800 Americans were killed in action. 6,100 wounded and upwards of 20,000 were taken prisoner. Historians believe that at least an additional 17,000 deaths were the result of disease, including about 8 to 12,000 who died while prisoners of war. Unreliable in peril, in peril data places the total casualties for the British regulars fighting in the Revolutionary War around 24,000 men. This total number includes battlefield deaths and injuries and deaths from disease, men taken prisoner, and those who remain missing. Approximately another 1,200 soldiers were killed, 6,354 died of disease, and another 5,500 deserted and settled into the America afterwards. I'm laying a little foundation today for what I'm going to preach briefly in just a few moments. There is always a price to pay for freedom. There is always a price to pay for freedom. And the moment we take our freedom for granted, we run the risk of losing our freedom, folks. Throughout history, determined individuals have struggled for the rights and freedoms, folks, which we enjoy today. The right to vote. Thank God I have a voice and I can vote. The right to free speech, folks. These and many others were hard-fought and hard-worn freedoms that we have today. It could well be said that to have any freedom, it must be constantly worked for and even fought for or they must be maintained. Our freedoms in this country are under attack. Our freedoms in this country are under attack. Here's a little letter that we got from CLA. Pray for the Christians in Pennsylvania who called for legal help after he was turned in for harassment over a conversation with a co-worker about Christ while he was on break. Pray for a church in North Carolina that called our ministry after receiving an illegal notice of a hefty tax. Oh, hmm. Tax assessment on some of their church property buildings. Pray as our legal experts assist a pastor in Massachusetts who was incorrectly told by a public, local public school he cannot rent space from that school due to separation of church and state. Hmm, Almighty God. Hmm, okay. Pray for a Christian in Illinois who calls CLA because he is under fire by an employer who, for having simply conversation about a Christian belief with co-workers during his non-working hours, folks. Please pray for a bivocational pastor in Louisiana who contacted our ministry after being told by his secular job he is going to have to work on Sunday or he will lose his job. I believe our freedoms are under attack here in this United States of America. Our religious freedoms are being stripped away from us here in this United States of America. The only reason why we are still have freedoms here in this United States today, today in this United States is a testimony to the fact that determined 
individuals, determined individuals, maintained them by fighting and exposing those who sought to take them away. Folks, do you know why we have a military today? Our military isn't in place to fight to obtain our freedom. It is to maintain our freedom, folks. We are fighting to get freedom from other people around the world. But here in this United States of America, we have freedom and our military is here so we can remain free. Here's an interesting fact about the Revolutionary War. The Revolutionary War began in earnest on April the 19th, 1775 with the Battle of Lexington and Concord. The conflict lasted a total of seven years with major American victory at Yorktown, Virginia in 1781 marking the end of hostilities. The Treaty of Paris was signed two years later in 1783 thus officially ending the conflict. Hear me. The Revolutionary War lasted for seven years. Everybody say seven years. Seven years. But here we are in 2018, over 200 years later, and we find ourselves again in a battle for freedom. Freedom from what? Well, let's see what they were trying to get freedom from. Freedom from the tyranny of a government. Freedom to worship or not worship God is desire. Freedom from excessive taxation. Freedom to say what you think without fear of being thrown in jail. That's the same list that our founding fathers fought for 237 years ago. Here we are for those, fighting for those same freedoms today, folks. Why? If we're going to continue to have freedoms, they must be maintained by us. You need to hear me today. It may only take a few moments or years to obtain freedoms, but to maintain it requires a lifetime, folks. We're going to have to do our part today to maintain the freedoms we have in this United States of America. Freedom for everybody. It doesn't matter what the color of their skins are. Come on. It doesn't matter what language they speak. They have freedoms too. Come on. And we are responsible to help maintain those freedoms. Are you committed to maintaining freedom at the same level as our founding fathers were committed to obtaining freedom? If we are not, we may end up losing our freedoms here in this United States of America. I'm not talking about taking up arms and physically fighting. I'm not talking about hurting people, folks. I'm not talking about being rude and obnoxious and saying a bunch of stupid stuff. I'm talking about standing fast in our liberties and standing for truth, folks. Amen. See, I thank God for our founding fathers. Today you're saying, well, it's supposed to be a sermon. This is a sermon. And I'm reflecting on some of the great things that were done so we could have these freedoms today. That Declaration of Independence, it came at a price. 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence attached their signatures to that document, folks. Each knew they were committing treason against the British crown. If caught and captured, they risked death, folks. But death would not be swift 
It would be by hanging to the point of them being unconscious and then some of them would be revived and disemboweled and their body parts boiled in oil and their ashes scattered to the wind. Our founding fathers valued freedom to the extent that they found their fate was worth the risk. Hmm. Here's your story. Five signers were captured by the British and brutally tortured as traitors. Nine fought in the war for independence and died from wounds or from hardships they suffered. Two lost their sons in the Continental Army. Another two had sons captured. At least a dozen of the 56 had their homes pillaged and burned. What kind of men were these? Oh, these were just a bunch of loser guys who had nothing else to do. Homeless guys that didn't have anything else to do. Really? 25 of them were lawyers, 11 were merchants, 9 were farmers or owners of large plantations, 1 was a teacher, 1 was a musician, 1 was a printer. These were men of means, folks, and education, yet they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well, folks, the penalty of death would be up on their head and they may lose everything they presently had. See, in the face of advancing, let me read some more about this history of some of these men. Let me read to you. In the face of the advancing British Army, the Continental Congress fled from Philadelphia to Baltimore on December the 12th, 1776. It was an especially anxious time for John Hancock, the president, as his wife had just given birth to a baby girl. Due to the complications stemming from the, that, to that trip to Baltimore, the child lived only a few months and then died. Richard Stockton, a New Jersey State Supreme Court Justice, had rushed back to his estate near Princeton after signing the Declaration of Independence. Find his wife and children were living like refugees with friends. They had been betrayed by a sympathizer who also revealed Stockton's own whereabouts. British troops pulled him from his bed one night, beat him and threw him in jail where he almost starved to death. When he was finally released, he went home to find his estate had been looted, his possessions burned, and his horses stolen. Judge Stockton had been so badly treated in prison that his health was ruined and he died before the war's end. His surviving family had to live the remaining of their lives off of charity. I hope I'm not boring you with this information today, but I think we need to reflect on why you're going to be celebrating this 4th of July and on Wednesday. I hope that it won't be again just a hamburger and a hot dog you're eating and just a good old time, but I hope you understand there was a price paid for what you're going to have this 4th of July. Yet it's not just about one day. It's freedom for 365 days a year. Thank God for these individuals. Carter Baxton was a wealthy planter and trader. One of his ships were captured by the British Navy. He loaned a large sum of money to the American cause. It was never paid back. He was forced to sell his plantation and mortgage his own properties just to pay his debts. Wow. Francis Lewis also had his home and property stored. The British, British jailed his wife for two months and that and other hardships from the war so affected his health that she died only two years later. Honest John Hart, the last one, a New Jersey farmer, was driven from his wife's bedside while she was near death. Their 13 children fled for their lives. Hart's fields and, and his meal were laid waste. 
For over a year he eluded capture by hiding in nearby forests. He never knew where his bed would be the next night and often slept in caves. When he finally returned home, he found that his wife had died His children disappeared, and his farm and stock were completely destroyed. Hart himself died in 1779 without ever seeing any of his family again. Never seeing his family again. Now, we are happy to have the freedoms here in this United States, but we didn't pay anything for the freedoms we have in this United States of America. We have been giving it to us on a silver platter, folks. People that gave this, paid this kind of price for us to have freedom for me to stand and preach in this pulpit today. For us to be able to worship and pray like we did in this service today. And all of it came at a price, folks. Thank God for every individual who gave their life for these freedoms. Amen. Because the price of freedom, folks, was paid in blood. Paid in blood. See, they didn't let their career, their reputation, their financial security deter them from their commitment to freedom. Then we have to look at the church. I thank God for our elders, folks that have delivered to us the freedoms we have in the liberty in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for the doctrine that has been delivered me by our fathers. I'm thankful for the doctrine that has been given to us by our elders, folks. So I asked you a day, what's more important, to fight to obtain freedom or to fight to maintain freedom? See, none of us had to fight in the battle of Lexington and Concord. None of us had to feel the pains of hunger or suffer the agony of the winter months out there with no food and no covering during that revolutionary war. None of us lost a limb or eye or had our brother or our father die because of the war. Why? Because we weren't there. I ask you again, what's more important? Fighting in the Revolutionary War or fighting for freedoms in the year 2018? I propose to you both are equally important. What good is there to obtain freedom if we don't take time to maintain freedom? And freedom isn't free. Come on, it cost in 1776, it cost in 1777, it cost in 1778, and freedom still comes at a price in the year 2018. Amen. Each one of us is free, but we are responsible for remaining free in this United States of America. You may say, how do I keep freedom? How do I maintain freedom? We maintain freedom by the choices we make. If we make the wrong choices, we will lose our freedom. If we become passive and disinterested, folks, we will lose our freedom. If we are to remain free from sin, the same applies. We must act to maintain that freedom. If we're going to stay free from sin, honey, we're going to have to pray. 
If we're going to stay free from sin, we're going to have to read our Bible. If we're going to stay free from sin and maintain our freedom, we're going to have to what? Live a separated life from sin. Hey, if we're going to stay free, we're going to have to be faithful to the house of God. We're going to have to be totally committed to God. Amen. Each and every one of us have a responsibility to maintain freedom, both in this United States of America and in the church, folks. If we are to maintain our freedoms in this nation, we need to pray for our national leaders. Come on. We need to support godly candidates. And you need to get off of your hinder parts and vote. If you don't vote, shut up. You don't have a right to say anything about our nation. You need to exercise your right to vote. Come on, you're saying that bold. We all get stirred up about the direction of this nation, but we won't get out and cast a vote. Honey, if you're an American and you've got a right to vote, you have an obligation to maintain the freedom of this nation by voting. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm telling you you need to be vote and do it according to how God leads you to vote. It's not my right to tell you how to vote, but you need to vote in good conscience. You need to let the Word of God be your God. Hey, there are certain things that are worth fighting for in this United States of America and in this world. <laughs> Hallelujah. Liberties to all, folks. Liberties and freedoms for all. It's worth fighting for. There are individuals you have freedoms here today in this United States of America only because somebody fought for your freedoms. You didn't have to shed one drop of blood, but then we're too lazy to get up and vote and too lazy to get out and begin to be involved in this United States of America. Here's a quote from Edmund Burke. The only thing necessary for triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. <laughs> and I want to change that statement. The only thing necessary for us to lose our freedom is for good people to do nothing. How much does freedom mean to you personally? Do you take it personal for the freedoms you have in this United States of America? Or is it just, oh, I'll always have them? We don't have a guarantee to always just have them. We have a nation that is the north of us that they are putting ministers in prison. Why? Simply because they say certain things in a pulpit. Honey, that's happening here. They can't say certain things on the radio. Why? Because they're put in prison. You may say it'll never happen in the United States of America. Let me read you something. The only thing necessary for us to lose our freedom is for good people to do nothing. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying like never before. Do I have to agree with Donald Trump on every issue? Is he morally a good man? No, but I know one thing. I've got a mandate by the Bible, what? To pray for our leadership. Come on, come on. Folks, I can't agree with everything going on in the state of Oregon. Absolutely not. But I still have to pray for our leadership. It's Bible, folks. 
Again, I want to make it clear so somebody don't say, oh, you're just rallying people up. To, huh? We don't hurt people. You don't shoot people. You don't beat people up. You don't mistreat people. You're not even rude in your conversations with people. You need to be Christ-like in all things. Yet you need to grow a backbone and start standing up for what you believe in and what the Word of God teaches. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, I want my eight kids to have what I have and what I had when I grew up. I want my seven grandkids to have the freedoms that I have today. I want them to be able, when he stands and preaches in a pulpit, I want him to be able to preach the same way I'm preaching today without fear that somebody's going to report them and throw them in prison. I want my kids to be able to sing songs and not worry about somebody's going to throw them in prison. We can't take these freedoms for granted. we got to thank God every day and pray, pray that God helps us in this nation. I don't know about you, but this is the greatest nation in all the world to me. And I'm thankful that I am an American. I'm thankful that God put me in this nation. Whew. Hallelujah. How much does freedom mean to you personally? Brother Angelo, you better play the piano if I'm wrapping this up. It gives people a little hope here. How much does freedom mean to you personally? I want to challenge this church today. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, in this nation, we're only a one court decision away from losing freedoms. It's all it takes. It doesn't matter what laws have been written. It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. All it takes is one judge sitting on a bench to legislate from the bench and say, I don't agree with that, and boom, out the wall, out the door goes our freedoms. That's where we are in the United States of America. I guarantee our founding fathers never intended that judges legislate from the, from the bench. They were to set in judgment of the issues as they were presented and unbiasedly then choose what is right. And personal things were not then to be interjected into their decisions. Come on. We're living in strange times in this United States of America. I was born and raised in the United Pentecostal Church. I slept underneath the pews. And I went to, when I went to family, they took us to family camp years ago. We slept underneath those pews where they had the little slatted boards on those pews. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Tell you what, you really had to want to go to camp meeting for to sit on those things because they were not padded. You had to bring your own padding. <laughs> Some of us do. But you had to bring your own padding if you wanted it. Because <laughs> it was uncomfortable. I've been in Tennessee up on Holiness Hill, sawdust all on the ground. And they put us on pallets on the ground. It's a miracle. We didn't all die. Probably considered child abuse nowadays. Some of you remember. Sleeping underneath the pew and eating the gum. ABC, already been chewed. You liked it. Some of you, we way past that now. You don't know anything about what I'm talking about right now. Some things I don't want to go back to. <laughs> I'm going to tell you one thing. This doctrine, this truth, these freedoms we